I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hello, I'm David Marsland, and on this edition of How to Be a CEO, we're talking about what happens when your startup becomes a success. You're a hit. Now what? Making Moves launched into London's wildly competitive office renting space in 2015. Its 10th anniversary is coming up, a milestone in any company's timeline, and it's not been an easy one to get to. Office rentals in an era of home working. But then again, is that era coming to an end? I spoke to the company's CEO and founder, Toby Crosby. Are you still a startup? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> I still class this as a startup, but uh, I, I, I don't know what the actual definition is. But I guess, um, yeah, our, our mantra and our way and our culture, etc. We very much have a startup mentality. How did it start, Toby? What was kind of the first thing that went, Do you know what? I'm going to launch a company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been working in the industry for around 20 20 years 22 years um and uh done a variety of jobs in in the industry uh started off in corporate world um and worked with uh a, a very large um property company worldwide company did my training with them um and learned an awful lot about how to become uh, a good agent a good 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 surveyor um but just realized there was kind of something niggling in the background to go in uh and maybe do my own thing or, or or go to a smaller business to see how a smaller business works um, and then spent some time with a with a niche agency um, in in the West End uh, really liked that type of model um, but again just felt like it wasn't quite right and there was something niggling at me that I wanted to do um, and then uh, having a chat with a few friends uh, a few mentors people that I knew said look Toby it sounds like you really should go and do your own thing um, that was kind of the trigger. Toby, were you unemployable? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Do you know what a lot of people say to me these days? They say, "How, how did you ever work for somebody else?" So uh, I'm sorry for like any past employers that found me difficult to work with, uh, but I think it's definitely one of those things that if you if you've got that in you, it, it, it's there, and you need to you need to get it out of you and turn it into something positive. So um, yeah, it was kind of uh it it was the, the opportunity came a few few things happened in my life um like personally and i was just like you know what this is this is really the time to do it so um yeah nine, nine years ago was was when it all started but what i'm thinking is i mean you're entering one of the most competitive markets in london and london 
is one of the most competitive property markets in the world. What did you think? Actually, there is something I can do here, despite that massive competition. Yeah, there was actually two drivers for me. Uh, one, well, that that one of them was culture. Um, so a lot of the businesses that I'd worked at before uh, were very much around profits and driving driving money. And uh, I often say, like the culture at those places was no culture. Um, it was more around that kind of. Um, uh that real business side and my, my theory on it was if you created a good place for people to come to work and that they enjoyed and they followed you and they felt like they were all part of this mission that you were going on uh that that would lead to actually better profits and, and that's been kind of proven uh on the journey that we've been today uh the second was actually um how how i approached our work and how our clients saw us um i'm not i'm not a kind of traditional surveyor background um, and I very much see us as kind of like the uh, the person surveyor. Like we 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 really like get get in with our clients. We want to be their mates. We want to be friendly with them. Uh, and we're also very occupier focused. So we very much focus on people looking for offices. So companies looking, and having that kind of mantra and that mentality um, actually really came out in the form of things like not wearing suits. It sounds really silly these days because no one wears suits, but at the time it was. Um, just trying to be a bit more relaxed and a bit more approachable to our clients. And, and, and that was another big thing for me when I set the business up was, was to make sure that we were approachable. With that culture then, did that, because you know, when, when you're a startup company and you've, you've got no kind of background really, it's a bit of a risk for staff to join you, isn't it? Is that what encouraged them to do that? So there, there were certain things like even the name of the business, Making Moves, was so different to anything out in, in the industry. Uh, our branding, our, our advertising, the, the videos that we produced, everything was like really, really different. Uh, and so people in the industry saw us as a, something a bit different and a, and a bit more um, I guess like cool and trendy in the marketplace. Uh, I sound very old saying cool and trendy, but then <laughs> I'm going to go with those words. Um, and I think it just we were a bit different. Uh, and there are people in our industry that want to go and work for something different, uh, and and saw what I was trying to do, and that, and you know that's why they came in and joined us. So it was it was challenging. Um, but I think once they got under the skin of the business and they saw what we were trying to do, it was, it was actually an easy sell to them. Yeah, obviously challenging getting staff, but obviously getting clients as well. Was that hard? Did you have a moment where you went, actually, I don't know whether this was a good idea or not? It actually, the, the approach actually made us stand out because we became very different to a lot of what our competitors were doing. So actually being a very different, different name, uh, different approach, different way way that we looked, different the way that we pitched for work. Um, it actually made us really stand out. Um, so actually winning the work was not that that hard, um, being honest. It was actually quite an easy sell in, into companies. But um, as as ever with a startup, you, you know, you're sat there on your own. You've got no clients. Uh, you've got to start uh, ch chasing the down. There are those days where you are very, very nervous about, have I done the right thing here? <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, but generally it was it was a it was a good journey and it was um I, I always really felt that there was a gap for us in the market and and that's been proven was it your own money that you put into it did you have investors how did you get the the funding all set up uh no I actually sold sold a flat uh sold a flat to to raise the money um to uh to to allow me to to start the business um and the rest of it was um I mean, literally just me on my own. Uh, you know, I, there was no no investment, no no funds raised. It was literally just me 
uh with with the with the sale of my flat and and off I went really <laughs> you weren't living in that flat were you Toby <laughs> uh, I was I moved in I actually had to move into rented accommodation um yeah. you know I, I had to cut back on everything you know but they're the sacrifices you've got to make if you want to do it you've got to you've got to make those sacrifices um and um you know I was willing to do that because I knew long term it was going to pay off yeah but that's uh that you literally sold your home that's a huge a huge decision to have to make i mean were you certain this is going to work and did everybody go this is a great idea to go ahead sell you sell, sell your property yeah I, th- I think when you go through things like that and um i mean it, it kind of gives people belief that you believe in what you're doing and that mm. they know that you're going to do it like i'm a, a pretty straight straightforward guy and also pretty level-headed so people know that if i'm making a decision in my life i'm doing it because i fully believe it and i i, I feel like i i could achieve it um so uh you know there was a few questions like are you doing the right thing um, but ge- generally, you know, there there was there was a feeling of, you know, Toby's got this. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, obviously, my parents were a bit like, OK, you're leaving a really solid job mm-hmm. uh, going into into something of the unknown. But uh, again, you know, there was belief there. And was there a moment when you went, this was the right decision? Is there a time when you, you look back, maybe a big deal or maybe even just a small moment you went, yeah, I've got this right? I think uh, yeah, it was it was a deal actually. We did a, a very large transaction with a with a, a fashion business in uh, in in the Shard, you know, tro- trophy uh, trophy building trophy client, uh, and that was really kind of like the accelerator to go. Okay, I've I've done really well here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the money that we we earned from from that transaction, and we're gonna reinvest that into the business, and we're really gonna go for it now. Um, and that was like a real confidence booster for me. Um, but it was also like a real chance to actually go, right, we can really accelerate and grow this business now. Yeah. Is that the point when you stopped being a startup? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. We were about, I think we were about six or seven people when um, but uh, when that transaction happened. And then the, the growth came from there. So we basically doubled on doubled every year uh, for, from that point right up until uh, the wonderful years of, of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that was, that was kind of... <laughs> Uh, that was that was the game plan and um yeah it it, it was I, I i think that was like the midst of startup at that point that was kind of like when we we were going through well startup scale up but we were really you know accelerating our growth accelerating our revenues um and it was a really enjoyable time to 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 feel that energy as a, as a startup at that point in our journey okay let's go to the ads please do rate and review how to be a ceo and hit your follow button so you never miss an episode I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. 
Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So I was going to talk about that pandemic, 2019. You're like four, five years into your company. And then your entire market changes, doesn't it? Suddenly everyone's not working in offices. They're all working from home. How do you respond to a fundamental and immediate change in what you have to do? Yeah, so there was a, it was a really tricky time. Um, we, to, to the end of 2019 was actually our best year on record at that point. We went into 2020 with loads of positivity, um, really kicked off the year. And then slowly this messaging was getting more serious, more serious. Uh, and I remember sitting down with the team and saying, only off what I was told by the government, but we'll be back in work in four weeks' time. Uh, you know, we just need a bit of time just to let this blow over. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> um, and then within four weeks of that, we're sending everyone home. We'd lost 90% of our pipeline, so all of our work had, had, had disappeared. Um, and, and at that point, I was, you know, sat there very concerned about what, what the future of, of making moves was um, as a business. Um, and we we basically um, had the decision on furlough, which was really useful for our business. Uh, we we used furlough, um, and that that helped us to get through that first kind of nine nine to twelve months of um, of pain. Um, and then the other things we had to do was pivot. We had to we had to change our business plan very very quickly. Uh, and the two things we 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 started to do was advise people uh, or companies on renewing their leases short term with landlords. Um, so the, the theory was that, uh, look, you can't use your office. We're going to try and secure you some more rent free or a rent, a rent rental holiday um, for an extended period of time uh, to try and uh, to try and help them through the tough time. Because it wasn't just us going through a bad time. Our clients were as well. Uh, and then the other thing we did, there was clients that said we're never going back to the office. Um, so we pivoted into a disposal arm, uh, which was to try and help those companies dispose of their offices. Um, and slowly, as the demand started to pick up, um, those offices actually started to be let. Um, so it's actually become a solid part of our business going forward now um, is that disposal arm. So what was a we need to do something? What are we going to do? Uh, all the directors getting together and, and coming up with this idea has actually turned into an actually very profitable revenue stream for us going forward. Of those clients that told you they're never going back to the office. Did any of them go back to the office? <laughs> yeah, so uh, 2020 was a definitely a, a never going back. 2021 was, we might come back in some way, shape or form. <laughs> 22 was, we're probably going to need about 50% less space than we want. And then 23 was, uh, I think we're going to come back now, um, <laughs> but it's only going to be for three days a week. So things have uh, dramatically changed this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're we're kind of in a, a technical recession. Uh, people have maybe just pulled back a little bit on their on their office requirements um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but generally, the trend now appears to be uh, we want to be back in some way, shape or form. Um, and also uh, we're going to be in kind of three, three to five days a week. That that seems to be a, a trend that's appeared. So. In answer to your question, originally, yes, they weren't going to be coming back in. Um, we, we were really concerned. Um, but as this kind of like three to four year period is extended, it's actually become 
that they are coming back, albeit for less days a week. Do you think that's stabilised now? Do you think the picture we have now, where lots of people are doing hybrid work, going in two or three days a week, is that going to continue in the long term? Or are you seeing increasing numbers of people coming in or even increasing numbers of people going back home? Yeah, so I I personally think we, we've about levelled out. I think three days a week is where it is. Uh, the interesting thing was in 2018 and 2019, we were actually seeing the trend of people working from home one to two days a week anyway. Um, it was actually quite the norm with the, with the majority of businesses that we were talking to. What, what we've now seen is that COVID has been a catalyst for people to go, actually, we can probably work from home a bit more. We're comfortable with this. And it seems like that three days a week is, is where everyone's settling on. Um, I, ha- I do know businesses that are fully remote and it works really well for them. Um, and uh, I can understand why they work remote. Uh, but generally, just having three days in to communicate, collaborate, um, it feels like that's what that's what people want to do. Where we've seen issues is where people are not giving direction to their teams about what they want. And then the teams are getting frustrated because they don't really understand. If you sit there and say to your team, we have to have you in for three days a week because we want you to collaborate. We need to communicate. We need to get through these tough times. Then staff are happy to do that in general. They they just want the direction. They want to know what the plan is Um, and where people haven't done that. Um, is where where they they're struggling a bit with that with that um, back to work policy. So let's get some advice from you for some of the the people who are listening to this who are maybe about to start up their own business or they've just started it up. What advice would you give to them about office space? That's your thing. What would you do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I've always said this: don't take too much on too early. Um, so stay stay flexible in your lease lease commitments. Uh, make sure if you are um, going into a lease commitment that you know exactly what you're signing up for um, and that you're very, very clear on how you can exit that, particularly if you're a growing business, because you don't want to be tied into something too long that's going to outgrow your or you're going to outgrow very, very quickly. Um, and also just at the moment, there are some great uh, there are some great deals. There are some great terms to be offered by landlords that, you know, they're trying to attract all these people back to offices um, and therefore, you know, don't don't always go on on the quoted price. Make sure that you're you're negotiating hard. Do you remember going into your first office? I bet I bet that was a moment for you. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. I was actually in a, a co-working space um, in, in on Shoreditch High Street. And uh, I, I still to this day, we, we, we had rows of six people. Um, and we would uh, we would all sit there and we were all from different businesses. So it's literally one or two person companies. Um, and it was such a great place to be uh, because you would actually work through problems, even though those people knew very little about your business. You were able to go for a drink with them uh, after work and talk about the problems that you'd had or, you know, setting up your business at company's house, all these things that you need to do as a as a, as a founder or CEO going in those early days. And they were there to help. Uh, and it almost felt like you were part of a business, um, but you were all doing your own thing. So I really remember those days. It was really good fun. Um, but also just having people around you like that that are in a similar uh, a similar place was was really useful. I, I get, is, it, is it a bit like when you get a new flat? Yeah, I think it is. I think uh when, when i mean my co-working was my first office but when we actually moved to our own first uh individual office where you've got your logo on the 
on the yeah. signage downstairs and you you introduce your team and you've got your own coffee machine and you've got all your own bits it's it's a great feeling and i remember um it was actually on our second office walking in in the morning and there was no one in there uh you know and there was kind of 15 desks all empty and i just happened to come in early and you kind of go wow you know this is my space this is what i've created and and it's kind of a, it is it is a really good feeling and we often hear that from you know ceos uh, that the, that we work with is you know the not only the the feeling it gives them but also the upturn in activity and the positive motivation that it gives their staff when when they move to those new offices so it's always nice to hear those stories so coming into your 10th year is that first decade going to be will it end with something big for you what have you guys got planned Surely there's at least a party. There's 100% going to be a party. I think we're, we're already starting to talk about what, what's going to happen. Um, so I may even have to do a speech at this one. We normally do a party every couple of years. But um, we we as a business have always done nice trips away uh, if we hit hit targets. Uh, and we're, we're keen to kind of make sure that this year's trip is especially a good one. Take them all to Disney World, Toby. That's... <laughs> Make sure you do that. But for the company itself, are there any big moves? Are you making moves yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our key at the moment in terms of uh, the business strategy is um, we're, we're trying to maximize profits. That That's our that's our key goal. Uh, and how we're doing that is we've 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 implemented, um, you, you may know, the marginal gains uh, model with Mr. Dave Brailsford. Um, and, and we've actually kind of presented that to the team as what we're trying to achieve in the next couple of years. And how we're doing that is looking at ways to uh, increase revenue, uh, minimize costs to to, to maximize profit. Um, and, and the ways that we've done that is improving processes, uh, trying to work much closely with our existing client base. Um, and also just being very clever with the way that we're, we're using our sales team and also our digital media. Um, and that has been, um, well, we've kind of started that this year and that's our plan for the next two years. Uh, the reason to do that is to create more cash for the business uh, and then hopefully in about two, 2026 we're hoping to go through another growth spurt uh, and actually look into some different markets for us to explore so uh, so we, we have a plan that's the main thing that was toby crosby from making moves get more interviews news and analysis from the evening standards business team at standard.co.uk forward slash business how to be a ceo we'll be back in two weeks we'll see you then Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.